Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 214, episode one of Your Daily Zeitgeist, a production ah! of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into mm-hmm. America's shared consciousness, and it's Monday, December 6, 2021, which I don't think I have to tell them, do I, Miles? Do, do uh, we even have to tell them what day it is? I don't, I don't, I mean, it's to the point where it's not as if I even have to look it up, but I know you know, I think everybody knows that December. <laughs> Sixth, right? Uh, we all know that's <laughs> National Gazpacho Day, yes. National Microwave Oven Day, of uh, National Miners Day, as in mining, not M I N O R S, and yes. National Pawnbrokers Day. Damn, fucking pawnbrokers! So all the greats, yeah, all the greats. <laughs> well, my name is Jack O'Brien, aka Armand from Zeit Lotus, one of the lookalikes <laughs> from my days as a mustachioed gentleman mm-hmm. that I liked the most and I, for, I forgot to include it before so bringing it here and I'm thrilled to be joined as always by my co-host Mr. Miles Gray just feel that arm fat tingling antibodies mingling through let's get vaxxed up together so we don't get Omicron too okay shout out to the bro for that wonderful sleigh ride vax uh, collabo Oh, and uh, yes, the last one, I, 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 I went afoul, used a, a bit of a slur for the last AKA. Should not have used the term in the other AKA uh, referring to Inuit people. So apologies, people educated me on that. So now I know. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? It's about growth, but yes, uh, apologies, but thank you for the education because we all need yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're all growing. We're all yeah. learning here. We're all growing. Well, Miles, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat yeah. by a hilarious writer and stand-up who you've seen on Colbert, Corden, Conan, all the all the C names. He was uh, also the host of the Emmy nominated People Talking Sports on MSG, which is just some real New York shit. Please welcome (laughs) the very funny, the very talented Sam Morrell. What's up, Sam? Thanks for having me, guys. I I appreciate the energy. I need this. I'm on the road. Three coffees ain't enough. This is I (laughs) I need this, man. Yeah, yeah. Right into the veins. Yeah. Sam, where are you coming to us from? I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hey. It's, uh, yeah, it's, I think I'm in a nice part of town. I just tried to get a hair. My hair is getting long. I just tried to get a, a haircut and I called the place right by me and I, I was like, oh, how much uh, for a haircut? And the lady said $91. And I Damn. had to I had to act like I wasn't horrified. And I was like, wait, <laughs> <Right>. today? <laughs> oh. Like, that, you mean, you mean oh, today? <laughs> I had to pull She's that. like, you so, asked uh, me. Right. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. I'll have to wait for a $20 one in New York. Yeah. I'll have to wait till I go. get back. Damn. Damn. Charlotte with the expensive cuts. They're going to hit you with like a full shampoo, shower, like what? I assume. I mean, yeah. this that's a lot, but uh, no, so I'll wait up. But yeah, it's, the club here is Comedy Zone. It's pretty cool. It's, it's been a good time. So two more nights. Nice, man. I love nice. that move where like you ask about something and it's way too expensive, but you don't want to be like, God damn, I don't have that kind of money. <laughs> so you're like, mm-hmm, mm. Okay. I mean, and that's just for a regular cut? Okay. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, Let I was in Philly back. with uh, my friend Gary, we, Gary Veter. We're walking around the. Uh, we just looked, went to a clothing store, and I was like, "Oh, this way jacket's kind of." I said, "Kind of nice," so right, I put right. it on. And then we look at the price tag, and it was twelve hundred dollars. And we of just course. had to be like, "Let's just take one lap around, so they don't think we're trash." And right. uh, <laughs> one lap, and we're out. Yeah. We're like, "Oh, only twelve hundred. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm, oh, I'm I thought this was a higher quality suede. Uh, <laughs> right. Apparently, this is lowbrow. Never mind. Oh, yeah. Corinthian suede. 
<laughs> Sam, you're you're f- normally from New York, which not known for its like uh, reasonable prices. I guess mo- mostly on rent, though. Is it our haircuts? Like I, I've I I lived in New York for a little while. I remember actually haircuts being pretty reasonably priced. Mine are like twenty five bucks. Well, that's the thing about yeah. New York. Everyone thinks it's expensive, and it is. But there's so much, you know, there's so much competition that you have to. Right. You're not going to stay open if you're charging forty five for right. haircuts. You give me one bad haircut, I'm like, I'm not going back to the $45 place, you know? Right. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I never, like, settled on a single place to get my haircut when I lived in New York. And one time, it was the day of the Super Bowl. I was going to a Super Bowl party. It, it took a, a lot longer than I expected. So I was kind of like, all right, let's 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 get it moving here. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just leave. And I think he thought I was saying, we're good here. Like, I... I <laughs> don't need you to continue the haircut because I showed up at home and my wife informed me that I had a long rat tail in the back. (laughs) (laughs) And then I just got, I got to show up to uh, the Super Bowl party rocking that. And it was actually a lot of fun, but like you you a Buccaneers fan. (laughs) (laughs) No, we, uh, I I used to do that too. I I would go to the, uh, to get a cheap haircut back in the day, I would go to the uh, student barbers downtown in the East village. And they just, some of them just did not give a crap. So you get a guy, I remember I got a guy, some guy goes lunch break and he goes, thank God. And he just left me. Like, I was like, (laughs) all right, I guess, I guess this is my haircut now. Yeah, yeah, that happens. Nice. Happens at the barbershop. I remember, yeah, <laughs> back when I had hair that I would pay to get cut. That was always the fun of like when you get in the barber's chair and they would get a phone call and they're like, "Hey, hold up one second, bro, I got to take this." And they start <laughs> having a full on fight with somebody on their cell phone on the right. street, and you're like, "Bro, please, I'm trying to make a fucking appointment in a second, but yeah." And you don't know if they're like Woody Harrelson and white men can't jump and they play better when they're angry or yes. what. They right. might be exactly. They come back or they'll just be like. Edging you up like zzz, and be like fuck, bro, and you're like, um, what? Uh-oh. are you good, Clarence? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good, man. My girl's tripping, man. Fuck. Yeah. And you're like, wherever uh. I go, they always have the soccer game on, which like it does not make you feel great that someone's holding something that sharp to your head with a goal. Like I'm a Knicks fan. If there was a game on, I would not be given a good haircut. You know, right. it, it freaks me out a little bit. But, you know, <laughs> just sort of out of like you just be completely unfocused on it. You're like, oh, for sure, yeah, and also, I, I mean, a, a bad game. You know, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's I, I, it's you can tell it's not like the most <laughs> important gig. Yeah, if there's right. a sporting event on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can cer- quickly see priorities uh, for sure. come, come to the surface for sure. Yeah, and one basket is not going to usually like change someone's emotions that much in hoops, but in soccer, like that's that that's a big. It's deal. a lot. Yeah, yeah one goal can be like, I don't give a fuck, man. Sorry, I fucked up your hair, but that was. That was huge for me. Uh, so <laughs> I had an early joke in my act where I was like, you can tell whatever music they're playing at uh, the barbershop, that's the haircut you're going to get. And right. I would just be like uh, Armenian hip hop. That's right, right here. Right, right. <laughs> we know. There it is. There it is. doesn't matter your haircut. It gets a laugh no matter what. Yeah. Because <laughs> no one knows what the hell Armenian hip hop is. Oh, there I do. Go. I'm from oh, LA yeah? in the Valley, baby. Yeah. There's a lot of <laughs> Armenian rappers out here. <laughs> It would normally be shaved down if, if shaved down. Be, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that, yeah. That, like yeah. that's the Glendale Armenian rapper <laughs> look for sure. I do that. So haircuts and I think nails are two of the things that actually the price goes down when you live in a city, whereas everything else is is more expensive. Sure. But there's got to be like I'm sure economists have like come up with the the name for that. But <laughs> cool, man. Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're gonna tell our listeners couple of the things we're talking about 
the Missouri Republican Party does not like science. We're gonna we're gonna look at that. It's a good time. They, their timing is good to <laughs> to just you know give up on science. So we're gonna look at how they are sharing that that viewpoint with with the world. We're gonna talk about. We're gonna ask and answer the question: Who the fuck is Doctor Oz? Why why does he believe that he is the best person to be a senator in, in Pennsylvania, where his in laws are from? Apparently. Mm-hmm. We're going to check in with the annual Get Fucked Up Awards. We're going to talk about all of that, plenty more. But first, Sam, we do like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history? You know what? This is a bad one, but it's for a joke. I should preface it was for a joke. Okay. Epstein's plane. Uh-huh. Lolita like, Express. It was, it was for a bit. I was working on it because of the Maxwell trial, so I needed right, a right. bit. But uh, I wanted to give context to that. Yeah, <laughs> right. Just being like, how cool was this plane? <laughs> <laughs> How baller was the Lolita Express? Yeah. How much yeah, are yeah. these flight logs getting out there? Like if somebody oh, took like two, three flights on it, is it a big deal or what? Well, dude, uh, I'm on, I'm at the Comedy Zone in Charlotte and in a couple of weeks, it's Chris Tucker. And it's like, you might know him whoa. from uh, Money Talks, <laughs> Friday and uh, Epstein's plane, yeah. apparently. <laughs> flight logs. I was a huge Chris Tucker fan growing yeah. up. I mean, yeah. for, to me, Money Talks, like that was, as a kid, I saw that in the theater like three oh. times. Dude, Vic oh. Damone Jr.? Oh my God, he's so funny in that I movie. I love that shit. This is Vic Damone's Rush kid. Hour. I mean, I, I love Chris oh, Tucker. The so. best. Yeah, Friday. Yeah, it was all. Friday was classic. Because what he went, that that flight was what, to be with like Bill Clinton in like South Africa or something? Oh, yeah. But he got brought up, I think, as like somebody that the pilot recognized. I don't want to, I don't want to put that out there. Actually, well, that's, that's but... the one time, I guess, being recognizable works. Because I'm sure there's a yeah. bunch of people that people will be like, who? But that's, uh, <laughs> right. you know, right. uh, and even there was even like a quote with a pilot system. Like, I didn't see anything that weird. And it was one quote. And you're like, well, if you saw Bill Clinton, that's weird. Yeah. Like just just me seeing Bill Clinton on a commercial flight. That's like one of my best stories in my life. Right. Yeah. You, know, you saw him on threshold. a private jet. Right. For a weird for you, pilot person. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I think we might what's, we might not be using having the same definition. <laughs> that's right you probably you you run private jets so you're probably jaded as hell by celebrities yeah. at a certain point yeah i mean he was epstein's like main dude like epstein paid for his children's college tuition and like bought his home so he was right. he was not just like an average jet pilot he was sure like his his whole claim that like i'd never saw a underage woman without her parents i'm gonna i'm gonna say i'm a li- i'm slightly skeptical I'm gonna right. I'm gonna say there there might be a at least a single Pinocchio that might be awarded to that claim. Right, that's got to be a weird life. They had the maid testify to, and you're like, yeah. what? I mean, the shit they these poor people have seen. You're just like, right. Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah. Oof. You just think you're gonna like clean some billionaire's home, then you see like a topless 22 year old, and you're like, all right, this might be uh, a lot. I don't right. know. Yeah. yeah. The Over the advice pain, that. Though. The advice the maid was told, or uh, I guess orders, job description was see nothing, hear nothing, say nothing. Yeah. Which you can avert your gaze, but you can't really avert your ears. Memory. Yeah. <laughs> Memory. <laughs> uh, like, I don't know how they just, they should, they should give these people, you know, noise canceling headphones. That's, <laughs> that's my main note for the Jeffrey new, Epstein. The new, bo- the new Look Bose at Jack sticking up for the laborers of Jeffrey Epstein. Give them yeah. at least noise-canceling headphones, you <laughs> animals. 
<laughs> that would also be like if you were gonna like make like a movie where like somebody's a creep that would be a good little like specific to have in there is everybody who works in the house has like noise canceling headphones on the whole time. For sure. I've always said Bose. Like, I've always said Bose should like get in on that. Like that's not the only advertise you can do like, uh, right. you know, I, I tried to joke once it never really worked where I said, uh, you think anyone on nine 11 had noise canceling headphones and they were the last to know. Right. And, uh, cause that's <laughs> to me, that's a good Bose commercial. The, the ad is how could you never forget if you never really knew, you know, wow. that's the, uh, yeah. yeah, we can see why I, it didn't work. I think it's funny. <laughs> I, I think that's gold, man. I don't know. You gave up on that one too soon. We'll give it a yeah. shot tonight. We'll bring it back. Yeah, yeah. See what happens. You, you yeah. inspired me. When people were saying too soon loudly, they were saying you are giving up on this one too soon. <laughs> right. You should keep that's what it was. <laughs> keep workshopping it. <laughs> what is something you think is overrated, Sam? Here's what I think is overrated: is is saying yes to too many things. Some some people will tell you like you got to live, you got to do everything, you got to say yes to everything. I right. say yes to so much stuff I should say no to. And saying no is turned into one of the greatest joys of my life is just being like, no, I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it feels good. I did, uh, I was supposed to do some gig and they were like, you got to fly in a day early for radio. And I was like, no. And they were like, you have to. And I was like, no. no. And then they were like, it's very important for the gig. And I was like, okay. And then the day before I was like, no. <laughs> what are you gonna do book a new comedian no yeah, gotcha. and they were like all right Got it us. felt great underrated saying no um, yeah man. but morning to... radio you missed out those, are, missed... Those, those are the best parts of being a stand-up right didn't you get <laughs> yeah. into it for uh getting on those morning waking up at 4 30 where... <laughs> i used to purposely tank morning show spots just so they would never have me back <laughs> i would go in, in and say sense? horrible shit on oh. air to make and i in pittsburgh they they stopped booking comedians so if you're playing the pittsburgh improv and you don't have to do morning tv you're welcome that's because it made. is because <laughs> wow. i did yeah. that 9 11 joke over there they didn't <laughs> like it yeah the incentive structure for those does doesn't really make sense we produce a podcast this is important with the guys from workaholics and blake the the guy with the long hair they were talking about this like legendary appearance that he had where he like was booked on a local news show the morning after the warriors which is his like favorite nba team won the championship oh, and wow. he was just like so hung over and accidentally <laughs> said fuck like three times but like that's the best thing possible for his career for yeah. the show he's promoting because then it goes viral and like the only people who it's bad for are the people who are like booking him and dealing with the complaints from the FCC or whatever. Right. And you're, and they also like, you, there are all these fines and I'm like, but are there really? Uh, right. I remember I did a morning show once and I, I was hung over and I was tired. It was like a radio show. And I, I accidentally told a story about getting a hand job in a town car uh -huh. and they went to break and they go, you could have gotten us fined $200,000 in every market. And I'm like, okay, so I just cost you 2.5, 2.6 million. That, that right, story, right. yeah, right, shut up. <laughs> yeah, It's not that big a deal. Yeah, they were like, if anyone listened to our show. <laughs> right, and I, like, I remember when I worked in radio, sometimes like rappers would come on like freestyle and like start forgetting they're on the radio. <laughs> and there, but there's a button, you know, to like just dump it, just to be right. like, nope, just, you know, because, you know, there's a little bit of a delay just, for that but i remember always being they would always be like yo i'm so i'm like i'm sorry and the host would be like, it's all good bro like don't worry about it right no one really cares. so based and off I, so we had very different versions of me seeing a situation where someone was like yo and i fuck blah 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 and you're like oh shit it's 
even then the reaction seemed to be it's nothing. But it's I don't not know. It's not a big deal. He fucked Maybe Bob it is Loblaw for like... from Arrested Development. <laughs> 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 All right. What is something you think is underrated? Okay. Everything bagel seasoning. Mm. <laughs> yes. Very specific. That's everything I love at Trader it. Joe's right now. I love it, dude. I, I put it on so much stuff. I mean, I, I'll make, you know, uh, I'll make my girlfriend like uh, avocado toast and I started throwing that on there. Yeah. Blew her mind. She was like, yeah. what the hell is this? And I was like, you know, even, <laughs> this is the perks of dating a Jew. You get so many things I'll open your eyes to culturally, you know? <laughs> She's like, what? what how, how about some more of that whitefish salad? Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, I, up, I love that, dude. I yeah. shot the opening of one of my specials at Barney Greengrass. I don't, oh, I don't did? mess around. I did. I, I Holy did a sketch shit. in the opening at Bar legendary New York uh, Jewish type deli food. It was yeah, great, great spot, Upper West Side. Yeah, I was just, I walked by there. It was too crowded, so I went to Essa Bagel, and then They're finished my trip at Russ and Daughters. You know, you got to do that. But classic. Uh, I've got at Trader Joe's, right? Did you are you getting it at Trader Joe's? Because I feel like that's where I start, started to see a lot more everything bagel type of shit. But they have everything bagel potato chips that I was like, okay, let me let me fuck around really quick. And it was it wasn't bad. I'm not gonna lie, it was a little too salty for my taste. But having that flavor on a chip was a bit of a an experience. They're getting a little reckless with the chip flavors. Yeah, right. I see dill pickle and I'm like, I've got to be hammered to get dill pickle potato chips, you know, like, <laughs> right. I'm sure it's fine. But like, right. even like pepperoncini, I'm like, what are we doing here, guys? Right. Like, let's just have some chips. Let's just, just sour cream and onion, you <laughs> sour know? cream and onion, let's barbecue, salt and vinegar. We're doing the classics are classics yeah. for it's like when you go to a bar and they have these crazy cocktails and you're like, if you're getting a cocktail. You're going to get a right. classic cocktail. Let's be real. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Unless it's like something where it's like, oh, we use passion fruit foam <laughs> on the outside. I'm like, I'm like, well, it's 23 bucks. So I know <laughs> that's, you better. Well, I'm be. like, yeah. If you're going to make like if, you, if I'm going to get some like cocktail, I'm going to get like a Manhattan or a Negroni. I'm just getting something classic unless right. they're like something, you know, you got to have this. Right. <laughs> it kills me at some of these comedy clubs. I'm like, can I get a Negroni? They're like, oh, we don't have uh, the ingredients. I'm like, well, I see you know how to make a yellow gummy bear over here. <laughs> <laughs> right. You can't make a Negroni. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, uh, the classics. Yeah, well. The yellow gummy bear, the Manhattan, you know, all the, all the greats. First in all of the bartending arts. Yeah. All right, Sam, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back to talk about some news. And we're back. And, you know, we, we've seen a general trend that is getting, seems like it's getting more popular in, in the country where people are getting tired of the mask mandates. In, in this country, I should say, in particular, right. not around the world. People have generally gotten their mind around masks across the globe. But in America, they're, they're pissed, man. Even as we have this new strain, this new flavor of coronavirus breaking out. People are still not having it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been one of those things that just it's, you know, people act like they're wearing some kind of fucking death shroud when it's just like such a small thing you can do for your own safety and, you know, just consider it for other people. But in Missouri specifically, their governor, Mike Parsons, he's just been one of these governors who's been like, man, masks are just so bad. I believe that everyone should make their own health decisions unless it has to do with reproductive health. 
Right. But other than that, do what you feel is right. And he's long argued that stuff would just be like, you know, I'm just not convinced by the science. Okay, about the mass stuff. Just it doesn't really add up for me Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. I hear about all this efficacy stuff, despite the fucking numerous studies out there that, you know, all world governments are being like, yeah, this seems like a a first step to ensure people's safety. Yeah, but you can't trust world governments. You got to do your own. You you got to do your own research. That's what I keep telling people. You got to do your own research. Exactly. I've noticed uh, I've noticed that places with really good barbecue or they don't have great views on women's reproductive rights. If you call dinner supper, you are against a woman's right to choose, uh, most likely. <laughs> but uh, I will say, no, I, I, look, I've been to Missouri three times this year. I've done Kansas City. I've done Springfield, Missouri. I've done St. Louis. The mass situation's a little, you know, it makes me nervous for sure. Because right. look, I'm triple vax. I don't know the hell I haven't gotten COVID yet. Just being on the road, I'm pretty cautious. But uh, it, it is pretty crazy. You, you see, Certain certain cities like Springfield, Missouri, especially, I was kind of like, you're old. You should be scared. I'm right. I should be less scared than you. Right, right, right. right. And they're yeah. like, hey, man, take a selfie with me. Let me get real close. <laughs> my mouth. But yeah, like so the governor ordered the state's health department said, you know what? Look up the data then the data that y'all are talking about and just. You know, let's see how well the masks, you know, or how negatively it may have affected transmission. And I think he figured they would come back with a study that said it didn't work at all libs so eat shit or something like that well the stick was from the missouri independent quote the statewide data shows that from the end of april to the end of october and this is basically through the height of the delta spike or surge that was going on in the state that jurisdictions with mask mandates experienced an average of 15.8 cases per day for every 100,000 residents compared to 21.7 cases per day for every 100,000 residents in unmasked counties so they're like, oh, huh. And like they just show like two. There's like there's a very clear graph. It's like, here's the places that did it. And here's the ones that did the ones that didn't just had more transmission as a result. And, you know, I think this was something that most people accepted as just common sense in general, like that having something over your mouth and nose while you're exhaling or inhaling will probably uh, just cut down on the a number of particles and things that you're exhaling. So. I do just want to say that, so the numbers are 15.8 per day where there is a mask mandate, 21.7 cases per day for every 100,000 for residents in unmasked communities. But like the masked communities are also in a state that has a leader who is like, don't wear masks, masks are bullshit. And And like the general consensus around them. So I'm sure like that's not even like as low as you could go if people if you were in a community where the leadership was like uh listen to scientists i guess right. i don't know because like really it was like Kansas City and St. Louis were sort of the outliers in the st- state that had mask mandates and right. as a result you know the state attorney general in Missouri is like we're going to fucking sue the city of St. Louis for doing this and uh-huh. they did but the thing is when the governor got this this data set the analysis like this data was not released to anybody like they hid that shit it wasn't included this is from the missouri independent again uh and the missouri independent only got their hands on it because they did like a you know sort of like a FOIA request for it and they said the analysis wasn't included in material the department prepared for cabinet meetings the email show neither the health department nor parsons office responded to requests for comment asking why the data has not been shared publicly because that would show that they were wrong but again with this one attorney, like these, this attorney general, 
that was suing like the city of St. Louis when they were asked about like, hey, man, this data shows that like masks work. Like what what do you have to say? A spokesperson from the attorney general's office said, quote, we dispute this premise and these charts. We've been clear that Missourians should have the right to make their own decisions and that government bureaucrats shouldn't be mandating masks or vaccines. We will continue to fiercely litigate our lawsuits against mask mandates in Missouri. And you can also make your own decisions, but like you should not be persuading people not to do it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand what I understand is like, sure, you're sick of the mask. I get it. We're all sick of them. It's annoying. No, you can't act like it's not annoying, but you do it because... It's just the right thing to do for now. You know what I yeah. mean? It's one of those things with like, uh, it's it's bad for business. Like you go to these places and they've turned into like your your rights rather than like a safety concern. And you're like, well, you'd fucking know why you have to wear it. Right. Don't make this, why are you politicizing something this bad? It's, it's completely irresponsible. Yeah, yeah, it really, we were saying earlier last week that it felt like, it feels like the Republicans are coming out more and more as a pro-pandemic party. Like, they're, like, in favor <laughs> yeah. of the pandemic, which is just a an odd decision. I feel like they painted themselves into that corner, but, like, I can't imagine that many Republican political strategists are happy with, like, where where they find themselves. Well, I'm some I'm someone who's voted Democrat and I think every election in my lifetime. But, you know, Democrats also Republicans have done a much better job at, at relating to the working class and shutdowns. I mean, as someone who plays all these clubs and have seen how much, you know, bars and restaurants have struggled through the pandemic, yeah. the, the Democrats really don't understand that, that they're messing with people's livelihoods when airlines are bailed out when hotels are bailed out, but when it's so fucking hard for like, you know, mom and pop places to get a PPP loan or whatever. I mean, I, I think that's really where the, the right and left need to come together, you know? Right. Well, it be, might be tough on that one, given the state of things. But yeah, it's true. Like, I think just in general, Democrats are not even trying to connect, like how all of this helps for people's just outcomes, like in terms of, hey, if, if we slow the pandemic down, then it won't negatively affect businesses as much as much or your your livelihood. But if we keep doing all this start stop shit, it doesn't help. And on top of that, I think taking away people's unemployment benefits, too, is like the, such a wildly unpopular thing to do. But yet they did it. So, yeah, it's uh, well, no one wants to do these server jobs anymore. No one wants to no one wants to be a waiter anymore. You know, you see what you can make on unemployment and you're like, well, I'd rather pursue whatever dream I have part time. Right. Then then do this server job. So, you know, everywhere you go now is understaffed and and, and they really just need to raise yeah. the prices of food in the restaurants and pay servers more. Yeah, because yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah, because yeah, re- like restaurants and bars already are on like razor thin margins and things like that. So on some level, yeah, if that's what it takes or, yeah, you, or I appreciate when places are like, look, we're just folding in a tip like to the cost of your bill because that's how we give our like employees health insurance. So, right make it easier for you to to patronize our business yeah well speaking of patronize uh let's talk about dr oz because this is america's doctor he likes to explain our health to us with the benefit of metaphors like the vagina is a self-cleaning oven or or visuals like a vagina that his guests could walk through yeah those are the ones that stick out he doesn't only talk about vaginas but like those are kind of the 
the the episodes that stick out in my memory right. for some recently reason. you know he know loves hydroxychloroquine though too yeah he does forget. he's a doctor who is saying that out loud yeah he he made a an announcement via an op-ed in the washington examiner because you know presumably tmz wouldn't return his calls but he claimed that he's running for a republican nominee for the senate race in pennsylvania specifically because of the pandemic, saying when you mix politics and medicine, you get politics instead of solutions. And Washington (laughs) took away our freedom without making us safer. So, like, I could see if there was a a doctor who was really good at communicating actual medical facts to people, which is, I think, like, part of why Oprah had him on in the first place is, like, what he was, the promise of Dr. Oz was supposed to be that, like, he's a respected doctor who can also communicate with the masses. But unfortunately, like hidden in there was just this fame hungry, whatever it takes to get more people to pay attention to me character that it's worth taking a look at, like what this dude actually, how he actually operates, because I was going to say what he actually believes, but he doesn't appear to believe anything other than that people should be paying attention to him. Yeah, no, he's like a he's like a rock star surgeon. That guy. He's like it's so weird. Uh, like I know he's a real doctor, mm-hmm. but I do kind of look at him as a doctor the way I look at Keanu Reeves as an, as an assassin. Like I know you put right. in work to make <laughs> right. this look good, but like I don't. It's like it's like what what business do you have in politics? I just think like yeah. you know it's like you push the neti pot on us. Thank you for that for the neti pot. That's great, right. and you're sick. But it's like you know who gives a shit like. He does have like a little bit of Tom Cruise in him, if you watch. Oh, where you're for like, sure. Yeah, Lady you're a doctor face. the way he did his own stunts in Mission Impossible. Like he, he's got that vibe that I kind of like, what do you? Yeah, I don't, I don't trust alternative medicine people. Like I know he's a real doctor, but he does do that. Like they always have stories of like, you know, like, sure, you've got COVID, but it, it could also be treated with, uh, you know, echinacea Radical, and so. turkey tail. Right. So I don't I don't trust it. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he's literally said things like, you should try lavender soap if you have restless leg syndrome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, so, oh, okay. Well, Thanks. it is very nice, but, you know, it's <laughs> pleasant. So he is actually a legit doctor, an accomplished surgeon, I should say. So, like, surgeons are the mechanics of, like, doctors. <laughs> they are the ones sure. who, like, from Jump Street and medical school, like, decide not to ever really interact with patients. But he's a celebrity surgeon. Like he would show up like once a week. Like he wasn't doing like a lot of reps. He was right. doing, he was like, like when you see a celebrity at the comedy cellar, you're like, that's Dr. Oz. You're like, why weren't they that funny? I'm like, cause they're shooting movies. That's right. why they're not good at the right. other shit. Right, yeah. right, right. So he, like back in the day before he was a TV surgeon, he won awards for his research, holds 11 patents for inventing methods and devices involved in heart surgeries and transplants. And he was also interested in alternative medicine even before it was a TV thing. And there there are plenty of like really good doctors who are interested in alternative medicine. Mm. And one of them that he co-founded this center with says they were just constantly fighting with Oz over his inappropriate marketing of their unproven methods. <laughs> he said, it's one thing to experiment with alternative techniques that could potentially be helpful. It's another thing to claim that they work with no justification in order to help your career. And one That's of the like- center's employees claimed that it wasn't actually about helping people, but it was all about boosting Oz's celebrity. She remembers that Oz would say things like, give me a patient because the cameras are coming in. 
and tell me what I need to know. <laughs> fucking- They're like, if you look, this gentleman here is suffering from terrible joint pain. It's like, no, I, I can't see. It's like, Shut the fuck up. The Shut camera's the fuck up. Yeah, it's your fucking eyes. But yeah, it's uh, that whole thing, especially hearing that the people that worked for him are like, yeah, he's more just into pushing stuff, even if it doesn't fucking work, just because that gets people to be like, oh, shit, he's saying something I want to hear. And then you realize, like, that's sort of like his, you know, his guiding principle through his entire career is like, yeah, man, if I have to say some like wild shit that will just get people kind of excited, then I'll oh, fuck it. I'll say whatever the fuck I got to. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's he's an entertainer. I mean, it, it, I mean, you could tell he's an entertainer because Trump fucking loves him. But I mean, it is weird. The camera thing like and those people who those alternative medicine people never they always have a story. They always have a story. It's always like, you know, the politicians are like, I met an 18 year old (laughs) and he was a star athlete and he was vaccinated. And after getting vaccinated, he pooped himself to death. And you're like, all right, but this doesn't sound real. This sounds like you're just trying to sell me on something. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Google Google it. it. You can or search it on Facebook. Uh, I guarantee (laughs) you'll find some research that backs it up. He trademarked the term America's doctor. And just became known for making spurious medical claims on his show and platforming guests with anti-scientific viewpoints. He shared the stage with vaccine deniers, activists like The Food Babe, who I was not familiar with prior to uh, JM putting putting this research in front of us. But she's apparently the Jenny McCarthy of food. And what a weird title where you're like, oh, what do you do? I'm the Jenny McCarthy of food. Right. What? Okay. Cool. What does that mean? I I say a lot of wrong stuff. Remember when Jenny McCarthy was doing comedy? Right. Remember when remember we they were like Jenny McCarthy, I mean, thank God I wasn't a comedian in the nineties. Imagine trying to sell a sketch show and they're like, We're going with Jenny McCarthy. (laughs) Right. You know the chick who's naked all the time? That she got the sketch show over you. From singled out? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, from single out. Have you seen her? She does all these crazy faces and stuff. She's she's real expressive, man. That's it's what wild, she would do. Right? She was kind of like doing like a poor man's Jerry Lewis type thing. Right, like, right. I'm like, she's funny. I'm like, no, nah, she, she's, you're right. She's just making faces. That just was very expressive. She'd be like, ah, and then like lick a guy's face. And then you're like, oh my God, Jenny McCarthy, <laughs> she's got it. She's it's pretty wild it. that her, she ended up with Jim Carrey for a period because they're both very like at the top of the uh, facial expression-based comedy. You know, that yeah, must have been I mean, pretty hard, fake laughing at those jokes. So, you know, Jim <laughs> got tired. He was like, look, right. I'm used to contorting my face, but this is brutal. Come yeah. on. <laughs> He's like, to, to, to actually have to pretend to smile and enjoy is a, is a skill <laughs> I haven't developed enough. <laughs> yeah. So in 2014, people are thinking that maybe his current Senate bid, like this might be his Obama roasting Trump moment, like the thing mm. where... He was like, all right, now now I'm serious and I'm going to make all these people pay. He was grilled by the Senate Subcommittee on Consumer Protection, Product Safety and Insurance during a hearing on false advertising in the diet and weight loss industry. He defended himself using computer printouts of online studies and transcripts uh, for from his own TV show. <laughs> and yeah. Following that, 10 prominent physicians penned a letter to the dean of Columbia suggesting that Oz be removed from the faculty for having repeatedly shown disdain for science. But as far as I can tell, they didn't. Like, he's still, like, a big name 
at Columbia, which again, like I, I feel like there is this understanding that all academic institutions are like wildly leftist. And I think, you know, at least I'll like, you know, Stanford and so some of the highly respected ones, fucking Harvard used to have Larry Summers as their president. Like they're a lot further to the right than people think. And it's, yeah. it, well, it's all about money, right? I yeah, mean, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he makes donations. I'm sure he gets donations, like having a celebrity there. I mean, it, it's yeah. all about the dough. Yeah, he, he he appears for a fundraiser and then suddenly like, yeah, it's, it's good to have him around. I mean, and this is the same issue that sort of like happened at UCSB with that gigantic dorm hall that the that like Warren Buffett's like 90 year old right hand man like designed. designed. And like <laughs> right. it's gotten even worse this week because he's like out here saying stuff like these architects don't know what they're talking about. They're like, sir, I've, I'm an actual architect. You're a billionaire who dabbles with pictures and you're 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 proposing a building where 94 percent of the residents won't have windows. And you think that's going to be a good environment. And it's the same thing where UCSB has been like, yeah, but the thing is, like, gifts typically come with these kinds of like restrictions on it. So uh, we might have to put kids in a cramped, you know, whatever yeah. you want to call it, prison block. Yeah. So Oz responded to that letter written by the 10 prominent physicians from Columbia by dedicating an entire episode of of his show to picking apart their qualifications and <laughs> professional interests. Trump. Yeah, it's straight Trump yeah. shit. <laughs> and he also I had forgotten this because like like so much of just by like sheer physics of the size of a human brain i've had to like memory hole so much of the shit that went on during the trump administration but like trump went on the dr oz show in 2016 and most presidential candidates released their medical records he had not up to that point and then he appeared on the show and handed oz two crumpled papers from his pocket as evidence <laughs> of and oz <laughs> oz was like oh yeah look Look at these. These look really comprehensive. Like it was oh, just straight up like bullshit yep. theater. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You are. Wow. Are you sure you're not a horse? Because that's how healthy <laughs> you are, Mr. Trump. OK. Yeah. Just going by the uh, ivermectin. That's why I think you're a horse. Yeah. But right. uh, <laughs> uh, hydrochlor, whatever. But uh, he. Uh, yeah. Trump. I mean, it was crazy. The amount. of. I mean, we forget. SNL, the Fallon uh, hair yeah. rub. I mean, th some of those are going to go. Those, those are going to be in history books. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. The road to normalization for sure. But yeah, it's interesting again, like we were talking about this last week of like how him and Trump are just so similar because they've benefited from this, I, this, I guess, perception that merely being on television and saying you're like you're a doctor or a rich person that most of the viewing public is like, that's true. That's infallible. And this person's an expert and we should all listen to them because they're on TV and they're yeah. handsome. He's going to have to beat Bobby Flay. For the uh, position, no. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> it's really amazing, but you're right. Being having name recognition and being uh, having a big following. I mean, like think about so many of these presidents in the primary. It's really just like building their social media page. You're right. just like, wait, Pete Buttigieg, and then you're like, oh yeah, Pete Buttigieg. You know, right? It right. takes a minute to for them to be recognizable and have the you know the name recognition. You know, sometimes it hurts you. And in, in New York, I guess it hurt Andrew Yang a little bit because we were like, yeah, we know him. We don't, we're yeah, not on board. We're but if you're a celebrity, you're that means you're good on camera. And what yeah. are the, where are these debates? You know, right. I mean, you riffing, Trump really did change something where 
They got really sick of seeing pre-planned speeches. And Trump, you know, he is good off the cuff. He had that on people. Yeah, yeah he was just, he just was like, even though what he said, like when you actually looked at the words on paper, you're like, he actually didn't fucking say anything. But, but it's he the never delivery. blanked. Like, and that's he great, never but here's the thing. <laughs> what people don't understand, people are like, oh shit, this guy's spitting straight facts. I'm like, he just <laughs> talked in a circle for three minutes. Yeah. But, you know. I, I still remember when Trump basically just called Carly Fiorino ugly on a, on a, uh, <laughs> On, oh, a, yeah. on a debate. debate and she had that one soundbite that I, where she was like i think the american people hear him loud and clear and everyone applauded i was like wow i guess she got him cut to a day later like trump's doing better than ever i was like well yeah. americans really hate women this is crazy yeah yeah turns out. i think we all all learned that in 2016 just to kind of complete the rundown of like where he's at these days post his being challenged on his uh bullshit medical advice in congress he has, during the pandemic, advocated reopening schools in April of 2020, which you may remember as being entirely too early to do that. But he said that it would only kill an extra 2 to 3% of kids, <laughs> which is pretty wow. And that's just from the mass shootings. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. He's been a vocal advocate for hydroxychloroquine on Fox News. He has supported the COVID vaccine. But mostly it's to give Trump credit for inventing mRNA vaccines, which actually date back to the 60s. In a statement, he said, although we had some moments of brilliance, such as the gift to the world of mRNA vaccines made possible by President Donald Trump's Operation Warp Speed. And then he's had on a show anti-vaxxer guests like Joe Merkola and Robert Kennedy Jr. So. He's a big part of the cause of the mess we're in. He's not a solution to it, but, you know, he's going to probably be pretty successful at pitching himself as a solution because TV. We'll see. God. I mean, it's, people have already come out and be like, we're going to put the smash on him. I forget who he's running against, but there's people who are pretty motivated against it. But hey, that's the thing about TV. That's what we'll see the strength of his uh, celebrity in that race. Yeah, yeah, we we all made the mistake of saying, "Well, tr Trump will be out next week." I mean, after Trump, it really, I wouldn't be surprised with yeah. anyone. It is weird who is, you know, risen as anti-vaxxers. Like you're like Eric Clapton. What the hell? Yeah, I miss the good old days when the worst thing he did was uh was just steal his best friend's wife. Right, <laughs> but <laughs> but it's crazy that you're like that's just his Twitter. It's just like a rock legend being like, "This is." This is like the Holocaust. And right. like, oh my God, what Sir? the hell? Yeah. I mean, I still love Layla, but this is this is brutal. <laughs> Damn, old love is not gonna sound the same. <laughs> Have you guys watched the Beatles documentary at all? I yeah. haven't, no. I watched I watched uh, about the first hour or so. Yeah, me too. But it's tough. It's like it's kind of because it's like it's amazing, but it's also you're like it's like a podcast where a they don't tedious, know they're recorded. Yeah. yeah, it's a little Yeah, yeah. It's a little tough. I, I love Peter Jackson. I love what he did with that with that war movie he made. That was incredible. But uh, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what was the name? The, the one, one where he added he colored color. The, yeah, uh, incredible, incredibly yeah, done. Yeah, dope. I mean, he's so talented. But it was it's, just it's, interesting. The uh, to hear, like George Harrison is like so just openly like insecure. It's really amazing. He's like Clapton's really good. Like, I'm not that good. <laughs> and then, like, Clapton stole his wife later. Like, that's crazy. I love George so much, too. It's yeah. so, 
Like, realize how good George was. I mean, it's like crazy that he was like their third option. It's in, right. it's like it is like the, it is like Clay Thompson on the Warriors, where you're like, yeah. this is not fair. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Wait, he's about to come off the bench. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Watch this. He missed. He made 18 straight threes in practice. Yeah, a lot of people are like, this is this is like giving Paul McCartney his like due, and like he's definitely like you. You see, he's like a songwriting genius, but it also oh has made me not like him because of like how he treats like George and Ringo. He's just like so fucking dismissive of them. <laughs> he's just like, yeah, I mean, we could probably like get a different drummer in here, right? Yeah, yeah, more <laughs> <than> Ringo. <laughs> Poor Ringo, man. Yeah. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and talk about some bullshit. And we're back. And it's that time of year. Once again, the global drug survey that polls people around the world about their substance consumption, otherwise known as the annual Get Fucked Up Awards. Where's uh, everybody coming in? Well, you know, this is like a survey of just all over, you know, many countries, uh, I think in total, something like 30 some thousand people participated in this survey. And even they say they're like, look, this isn't to say that this is exactly what's happening in every single country, but more so we're trying to get a sort of general idea of how consumption habits may have increased uh, or decreased since the pandemic. I just want to start off with like when they talk to some of the people or like when they talk to the people they're polling when they translate their like responses into English and things like that, what the thing they had to do is sort of write about just what they were feeling or what the situation had felt like with words. And this world, this word cloud that they developed from all these answers, the biggest ones are shit, fucked, stressful. (laughs) So those are the top three things that people were feeling as they, you know, took this poll, which makes sense because it's a grim time. But to get to the, the real shit, you know, the thing that came out of this is like, who is drinking the fucking most mm. right now? And drum roll, please. It apparently is no one is fucking with the Australians, mm. as it turns out. Now, when they do this survey, they found that on average, respondents from around the world got drunk. And so what they're saying is they categorize what they're asking is, quote unquote, drunk is, quote, having drunk so much that your physical and mental faculties are impaired to the point where your balance slash speech was affected, you were unable to focus clearly on things, and that your conversation and behaviors were very obviously different to people who know you. So the global average is around 14.6 times a year. So a little about around once a month, Aussies, 27.7 times a year based on this survey. Coming in behind them, the Danes and the Finns. So okay. Scandinavia also has a, a shout there. But yeah, it looks like Australia, they're coming in hot. They're coming in hot. So there, there's another... I, I was surprised at having spent a semester in Ireland. Oh, I yeah. was surprised that my people did not make a bigger dent here. But I, I have a theory. So that there's this other part of the survey about regrets, right? Mm-hmm. That I, Irish, Polish, and New Zealand respondents had the most regrets about getting drunk. Yep. So my theory, that there's this um, Arizona anthropologist who focused on like landfills, just digging through landfills to see like what the truth was about how much like people actually consumed of various things. And supposedly 
just humans in general like just underreport the amount of like junk food, alcohol, tobacco that they consume by a large degree. So I'm wondering if the Irish, Polish, and New Zealand are the ones who were the most likely because of the regrets and just having a sense of like guilt or shame in the Irish case, shame about <laughs> about how much they're drinking. I'm wondering if that's what's going on here is that that's the sign of who is under reporting it the most. That's oh, a right. great observation. Well, it's Irish, interesting too. Yeah. Cause like the, the Danes, right there, they were only, they, they were second to the Australians, but they were also the country with the least regret yeah, bro. about drinking, which I think is really interesting because that shows like, <laughs> uh, like I, when I, I went to, I've been to Denmark before her majesty studied abroad there. And I was asking, I'm like, what's the vibe? Like, I mean, when we were there, like people, yeah, were getting drunk, but it didn't feel like it was getting like dark or like overly debaucherous. And it was just sort of a similar thing, like, yeah, people have fun. And also, like, you know, it's normal for, like, kids to have, like, a kid's beer around the holidays and things like that. So I, it's when I see that, I'm like, I wonder if that's like a healthy like that's what we're seeing as a healthy drinking culture or people are just oblivious or like, no, man, no regrets. I haven't seen my kids <laughs> in like six months, man. <laughs> Fucking sick, bro. Low Copenhagen. Like, I don't know what I don't know what it all says. But, yeah, there's there's definitely a lot to to parse through here. Cocaine use was through the roof, though. Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> Is that true? Cocaine and weed use, yeah. Uh, when all illicit drug use went up pretty significantly. Oh wow. Yeah. I mean, weed so, makes sense, right? It's be becoming more. I mean, in general, popular, less stigmatized. I think it's like you're also seeing like, and I think what this also shows too is that there is this like just general stress that people are experiencing, and many people are turning to substances to you know blow some steam off whether healthily or unhealthily nothing like doing some cocaine to just cut through the stress <laughs> Make you, yeah man just <laughs> just chill out just lost my gig quiet evening get at an home eight ball with an eight ball of cocaine get an eight ball and invent a whole new job <laughs> for me to do and become rich off of yeah yeah it's interesting. Oh, no, it just blows my mind. I mean, like, this, I think the pandemic kind of lit a fire under all of us. I mean, I, yeah. I was drinking. I remember my girlfriend would like every so we turned into like, like a young retired couple. It was like she right. would be like 6 p.m. every day taking weed gummies. I would be making cocktails like, I, you know, she was in L.A. I live in New York, so I was just with her. And I was like, the bar grew bigger and bigger. I was like, Manhattan's today. Uh you know, tequila soda, it, it got, it became a, like a lifestyle thing. I'm like, oh shit, I'm, I've noticed it now when I do comedy clubs, like people are more fucked up than I've ever seen yeah. in a way. And I think it's cause they got so used to drinking at home and they forgot yeah. how to behave out in front of people oh, yeah. again. I yeah. definitely have suffered from doesn't know how to act in public syndrome. Like, especially like first time, first couple of times I went out, like I couldn't, I, I was like, it was like my first time drinking ever. Yeah. I've noticed that I forgot how to clap during the pandemic. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> first, I, I am uh, classically somebody who doesn't know what to do with his hands. But like, I've been at multiple events where I like find myself clapping and it's just like two just dry things like hitting each other and like not like not making the clap sound. Just because right. you're a Sixers fan. Yeah, I think that's right. it. Like Simmons, <laughs> so Simmons just stuff took the, it out yeah. yeah, took the spark out where I couldn't <laughs> couldn't do it anymore. Oh, another thing, psychedelic microdosing also on the rise. Oh yeah, I they mean, found too. 
Hey, bro, uh, I could have told you that. You know? Yeah, but it's, all right? it's coming back in a big fucking way, man. <laughs> I'm too scared of that shit. That, I, I'm, I get paranoid on weed. I can't imagine mushrooms. And I can't imagine the next level stuff. Well, that's the, I mean, I think that's the, I think that's why specifically microdosing is like the key word there. You know, like if you've ever done, most people, if they've ever done mushrooms or something like, you're in, you know, in college or high school, typically you're taking a overdose, like a macro dose of yeah. mushroom, like psilocybin, where typically like for it to be a micro dose in the sort of traditional sense, like you're trying to do it just below perceptual thresholds. Right. So it's not really to the point where you're like, oh, fuck, man, I think I'm getting like fucking starting to see shit. It's more that there's just that little bit of introducing it into your system that kind of, I think, gives like sort of the analogy is sort of like you go from a closed fist to like an open palm. Yeah. And that's the difference internally for, you know, people who have dialed in proper, <laughs> proper regimen of microdosing. Yeah. I can definitely say, you know, when I was drinking, first of all, the pandemic would have been very, very bad for me if I was still drinking. And second of all, I would have taken issue with their uh, with their definition, uh, having drunk so much that your physical and mental faculties are impaired to the point where your balanced speech was affected. You were unable to focus clear. Like I would have been like, no, that's not me, man. I'm, a, I'm actually clear <laughs> right. when I got a couple <laughs> when I got a couple drinks in me. So I would have also lied on this survey and also been lying to myself. And the, I'm and a better like, comedian wait. when I'm drunk. I'm, I'm funnier, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? exactly. Then I listen to the recording. I'm like, oh, oh I can't dear. listen to this shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're like, no, nah, see, and the behaviors have to be different or from people that know me, I have to be appear to be different. No, nah. they, they kind of <laughs> know how I get down. So, yeah, no, I don't think I really have gotten drunk then. Yeah. They only know me as the cool me who's fucking hammered. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I, yeah, shout out to a anyone out there who's, who's uh, struggling with it, though. You know, yeah, there's, yeah, of course. there's shit to do. Hit me up on Twitter if you, if you need to talk to someone. All right, Sam, it's been such a pleasure having you, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. It was fun talking to you. Where can, uh, where can people find you and follow you? You know, I'm on all over social media. So Sam Morrell, uh, S-A-M-M-O-R-R-I-L on, on every platform. I got, I post, I'm going to shoot a new YouTube special in April. I got, I got a couple full length specials on YouTube. I've got a bunch of albums wherever you get that stuff. I, I post a lot of topical stuff on social media just because I'm, you know, I'm not going to use it in a special. So throw it out there. Got some Jelaine jokes coming your way. Maybe some okay. Jesse Smollett stuff for the trial. Go. We'll see. So, Oh yeah, that trial's been wacky too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Just tr put out a documentary on YouTube called Full Capacity about the club's reopening. It's it's really fun if you haven't seen it. Got Ray Romano in it, Colin Quinn, Sam J. Uh, so many good, com Chris Red from SNL. So many funny comics are in it. Nice, man. So yeah, you, you'll really Mark Norman, a uh, bunch of bunch of great comics. So check it out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and is there a tweet or some other work of social media that you've been enjoying? You know what I like? I really like those new guys on Saturday Night Live. Please don't destroy. And yeah, they post really their good. stuff. I really like those guys. They've got great chemistry. I like the pacing of the jokes. I like how silly they are. I discovered them when they did the the first video of one of the guys getting a shady vaccine. Yeah, yeah like it was really <laughs> I, I loved it. So I think I'm I'm happy for their success. And uh yeah. I mean there's so much good stuff out there. Roy Wood just put out a, a new special on Comedy yeah. Central. I think he's one of the best comics and yeah. and try to find it because man does Comedy Central stink at 
letting you find their stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like you have to enter like a password, a code. You have to uh, like go to a physical location, like with latitude <laughs> and longitudinal coordinates. You have to like, even online. You have to bring a Vax card. You, no, it's it's a lot. They're terrible at that stuff. So find voice stuff. He's terrific. He's so fucking fun and a man. great a great yeah. guy as well. So yeah, really Wish like you. one of the nicest people we've ever worked with. Go go find that. Uh, Miles, where can people find you? What's a tweet you've been enjoying? Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray and also the other show, 420 Day Fiance, where Sophia Alexander and I talk 90 Day Fiance. Some tweets that I'm liking. First one is from Yodoye at Yodoye underscore. He tweeted, musicals are like 20% singing and dancing and 80% throwing big double doors open. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. Uh, And then at Miss Jelinski, J-E-L-L-I-N-S-K-Y tweeted, my husband told me when he starts thinking about stuff that's too heavy and depressing, he goes to, quote, scarecrow mode. And I was like, what's that? And he was like, I think about a scarecrow for a while. And then I laugh. <laughs> <laughs> what? <Okay. laughs> scarecrow mode. Yeah, got to try that. <laughs> you can try that one out, folks. All right. You can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. Uh, a couple of tweets I've been enjoying. David C. Bell at Movie Hooligan tweeted, Look, I don't like this any more than you, but Wes Anderson should remake Clue, which is just true. Wow. Maddie Gross tweeted, Whenever a frozen pizza says to put it directly on the rack, I'm like, You crazy son of a bitch. We might just pull this off. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Ben E. tweeted, and is this Susan Sarandon in the room with us now? And Deirdre tweeted, Car should have a second friendlier horn to say thank you. Or if you want to let people know you just drove past a cool animal. I just agree with that. That is true. <laughs> and you can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, oh, no. where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode. As well as the song that we think you might enjoy. Miles, what song do we think people might enjoy? Oh, I think you are going to enjoy this track from when I looked on my Spotify rap, the artist I listened to the most this year, Dirty Art Club. Uh, and this is from the album Vermilion. The track is called Evermore. And like all Dirty Art Club tracks, I just love the aesthetic of his work. It's very, uh, it's very sample heavy, but reconstructed in a way that gives it some just edge to it. And this track specifically, it sounds like the opening credits of like an Italian soap opera. <laughs> but if you were like on acid and trying to watch a TV. So shout out to Evermore by Dirty Art Club. All right. Well, The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That's going to do it for us this morning. But we're back this afternoon to tell you what's trending. And we'll talk to you all then. Bye. Bye. <laughs> 